Good morning, Cornerstone. I'm Pastor Bill. I'm the one that married my wife, who takes care of everybody so well when you come to our house. So uh, my wife, Marla, many of you have not met her. This is the first time she's been here in the theater for in-person worship. So come and flood her. She's sitting right down here in front. And if you come to Gifts and Calling and Pastor's Kids, then you'll get to, um, to enjoy what she produces in our home every day. All right. Um, it's my privilege to introduce this morning our two mission story sharers for today. We are in the third and final week of our February focus on global missions. And as I've shared each week, the theme verse for this series is Acts 1-8, where Jesus says to his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, and you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. To be a child of God means that we want others to know what life with God is like. To be a follower of Jesus means that we want others to know the victory and the joy and the freedom of following Jesus. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that we long to testify to the goodness of Christ locally, regionally, and globally. So um, we pray that hearing these stories over these last three weeks, we pray that hearing them will urge each of us to attend to our own mission stories, how we are testifying to Jesus locally, regionally, and globally. And on that note, if any of you are going to do short-term summer missions trips, then email us at globalmissions at cornerstoneboston.org so that we can get you the application. And if any of you would like to serve on our global missions team, we're hoping to add two or three more people. Again, email us at globalmissions at cornerstoneboston.org, and we will explore that possibility with you. As Pastor Hojan said, our two speakers today um, have been very involved at Cornerstone for many years. It's been during their time here at Cornerstone that they affirmed God's call for them to global missions. So um, as a church, we have already supported each of them for a year in their host country. And so we wanted you to hear their stories. Han will be our first speaker. And um, Han has already served in the Middle East for a year. She's been back. Um, Han gave us an opportunity as Cornerstone Church. She's the first missionary that we are her ascending church of, which means as ascending church, we have the primary responsibility to pray for her and support her in her mission. So Cornerstone has been the church that is sending Han from here to the nations. And David is actually applying this spring to be the second missionary that we will be sending as the sending church, which is, a, which is a step of maturity of any church when we get to the point where we are sending people from within our congregation. So first we're gonna hear from Han, then we're gonna hear from David, and then Sabrina's gonna come up. Sabrina's on our global missions team, and she's gonna pray for the two of them. And, um, and she's gonna be praying for all of us to develop our own mission stories. So David, if you'd come first, uh, Han, if you'd come first. Oh, wow. Good morning, everyone. My name is Han, and nice to meet you all. And it's so good to see old faces, and I've heard that I, there are a lot of also new students and new young, young adults gathering. So I'd love to just share a little bit more about myself and how I ended up here, because I never thought I'd be 
doing something like this in my life. Um, but yeah, before I start, it was so fun to hear actually about Gifts and Calling again, because I remember my freshman year um, when Gifts and Calling was first offered, and I went, and I was the only freshman there. Um, everyone else were like seniors, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. But I took it and just kind of did my best in learning. And I remember Pastor Bill asking me the question of, what do you think your holy calling is the best that you understand? And I was a freshman, and I was very confused. And, but I remember saying these words, and it still is something that I hold on to in my prayers and in my journals. And it was to bring light and healing to darkness and brokenness of this world in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that last part of in the power of the Holy Spirit is something that has been so essential and, and something I'm just desperate for and also something that I take immense joy in. And that probably is the reason why I stand here today before you in this way. So yeah, a little bit more about myself. I actually graduated from Northeastern um, 2019. Any Northeastern students? Yay, Northeastern, all right, awesome. And <laughs> it's so good to hear you know, that we're, we're here. And um, yeah, I studied neuroscience and came into school, not really sure what I was going to do, but I wanted to be in, in mental health or in science and um, some type of health field. And I studied, as I was studying neuroscience, I think my heart towards mental health grew even more. And that's actually where I worked for a little bit um, full time um, after graduating. But throughout my college years, I started to ask the question, God, what is really in your heart? And slowly but surely, he led me towards discipleship and evangelism. And it was, I was involved with student movement, which I am staff now um, full time. Um, and after going to summer missions and being in Middle East and East Asia, God started to really open up my heart towards a year-long mission. And I remember thinking, God, I do Sundays and Wednesdays and summer missions, but I don't do year-longs. That's, that's really long. <laughs> and I thought, God, it, you know, aren't those for people who are super faithful and with big faith and big obedience? And I'm just sort of, you know, an ordinary Christian that I love the Lord in my quiet times and um, just really serve you in the community. But I just felt really distant. I felt really inadequate and um, just really afraid, actually, to step out into something like a year long. Um, but I remember just going through the process of surrendering, and I actually spoke about this this past Sunday, I mean, not Sunday, past Wednesday, um, at NYU Large Group, where I serve right now, um, that surrendering, my surrender to God was so fragmented, that I surrendered God my very spiritual parts of my life, or so I thought, but I held very tightly to other parts of my life, um, the ones that I wanted to have control. But what God was asking was a full surrendered life of freedom and enjoy. And that just naturally led me to say yes. And I spent the year in the Middle East and just talking to college students and listening and learning about their stories and having the opportunity to share about Jesus. And it was such a precious time because Time and time again, I was shocked that I got to be the first one to say that Jesus is not just a prophet, but our Savior and our Lord. And they would be so shocked that there's not only God the Father, God the Son, but there is God the Holy Spirit. And they're like, there's three of them? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and those are the conversations that I got to have. And, you know, many times I sat there and I was like, I don't know how to answer all these 
very theological questions, but each time I remember God gave me just words to speak, and we know that it says in the Bible the Holy Spirit will give us words to speak um, and just lead us in wisdom and guide us in truth, and that was the kind of life that I kind of tasted the glimpse of and saw that how I get to partake in the work of the Holy Spirit that he's already been doing in this nation and in the lives of many students that I met there. And I came back and I, I just, just wanted more of that. I wanted to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I knew that it wasn't for special Christians, but it was for just all of us. Because just like the verse that we read, it's, it's God's promise. And I pray that our story and, yeah, our stories will just multiply in how we ought to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that led me to say yes after working for a little bit and got into full time. And my heart really is to be back in the Middle East. Um, but God's been very faithful and guiding me through. And I'm here a little bit longer than I thought. So I'm actually in New York, New Jersey area right now, serving at Columbia University and NYU with college students. And I remember when I first got there, um, it was quite puzzling. And I was kind of shocked because I remember talking to a lot of these students and there was immense just heaviness in their hearts, immense heaviness of anxiety and worries and depression and some of the things that they were going through in their families. I remember thinking, God, I don't, I don't know how to navigate through this with them. And maybe a lot of you guys might agree with the pandemic too, there was just immense uncertainty in their lives. And in, with that, I just remembered again, um, the reason why I was called into ministry wasn't just because I knew how to say the right things, but simply it was my openness and saying yes to God and say, God, I'm here and use me and may the Holy Spirit work through me. And that's why I held on to even the words that Pastor Bill just read um, from Acts 1-8 that we've been hearing. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And it's interesting because my journey, I guess, more started in the end of the earth part in East Asia and Middle East. But God is bringing me back that it's in also in the local and regional parts of my life, that it's in the everyday, um, not just in this far away countries where people don't know about Jesus is is an area that I need the Holy Spirit, but it's every day of my life. And that's what I'm seeing in, as I talk to my students every day. And I wanted to share with you a story when I really just, again, was reminded of this joy and the power of living in the Holy Spirit. I had to give message at um, Montclair University last year, and we had an atheist student um, who kind of sort of got connected to us because during club fair, we, you know, shared with lots of students on the street and we're like, hey, you wanna come hang out with us? Like, you know, it's an open place of um, different spiritual conversations and Christianity and she was interested, but she was very clear to us that she wasn't um, like, yeah, she wasn't a Christian and she was atheist, but she's been coming out a lot and this is actually one of our gatherings and I was giving message and I wanted to, I felt like I had to do something a little different, um, which I was a little scared to do. So instead of like a traditional message, I shared, um, different prayers from the Bible and had them break off and learn it themselves and just see what they can learn from these different prayers. And I was like, I'm not doing the work, you're gonna do the work. Um, and one of the group, yeah, she was in and she was just seeing one of the Psalms and hearing the prayers of David. 
and you know she's been open like more and more but she was really afraid I think to pray um, she just didn't know what to say but after reading the psalm um, and she had like immense anxiety over a presentation that she was going to have and after reading this this psalm of very you know I think King David can be a little bit bipolar. He's like, oh my God, save me. And then later on, he's like, praise you, Lord. Um, after seeing that, she thought, I could do that. I can try to put my words and just how I'm feeling and bring it to the Lord. And she started praying and she opened it up and said, what's up, God? <laughs> and she prayed the most honest prayer and and I was, I was still standing there by the computer, and I was hearing, and she's in the middle group. And I remember just, just you know, eavesdropping on her prayer, and I just almost started crying because I was like, wow, I, God, I, I pray that her prayer life becomes so rich, but she never loses that honesty and just that ease of going to you because of what Jesus has done. And I remember thinking, wow, God, I want to... I want to be the bridge. I want to just be available to the Holy Spirit to work because God's been working in her life. And that's just one story of many that, um, yeah, that I would love to share. But it's been just such a challenge, and I think, and a joy. Um, and it's something that I continue to pray over, actually, my students. Um, and many of you guys are also college students here, right? More than hearing from someone who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit, and for you to simply respond to that, I pray for my students and for each of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit ourselves. Because I believe that as believers, the Holy Spirit lives in us, in each of us. Because in John 16, 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away, the helper would not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And then earlier in John 14, Jesus says that those who believe in him will do greater things than him because Jesus, he is going to the Father. And I remember thinking, I'm like, God, how am I going to do greater things than Jesus? And as I sat through it, oh, it's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not what I can offer. It's simply opening my life to the Holy Spirit and how he is to work through us. And it does not have to look like full-time ministry. It does not have to look like um, our spiritual leaders. It's in each of us. It's for those who believe it's God's promise to us that the Holy Spirit lives in you. And it says the Holy Spirit will convict us of our sin and help us understand mysteries of God's word to help us in our weakness and intercede in our prayers. And he leads us also into freedom. So I pray that, brothers and sisters, that we would give ear to the Lord and to give ear to the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. And I sit through many conversations with, with my students at, in New York, and sometimes I, I get really, I'm like, God, I just want to punch through a wall and just break the wall or even break the wall that's within me or um, just I just sit in this like man like how do we fight through some of the sin and indifference or just boredom and just accepting of how this world is just broken and that's the end but I'm and that is I think what moves me towards prayer because 
God is the mover of hearts, and I pray that he will move in us so powerfully um, that we live a life fully surrendered um, and to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the life that I desire to continue to live in. And I'm still waiting to hear from the Lord and hear from the countries um, with COVID and everything if, yeah, God, when, you're, when are you going to send me to the Middle East? <laughs> when am I going back? And, you know, all my ministry partners are asking, and I'm like, I don't know, and I just keep praying. But my commitment simply as I started ministry and even now is that I will follow what he, where he is leading me, and I will continue to seek what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through me. And I pray that, yeah, those stories and testimonies multiply also in you because the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in each of you. Um, and I, yeah, I'm just overjoyed for that very fact that we are not alone. Um, and thank you so much because I would not be here, I think, without this community, without this family, without the support and the generous support of many of you guys and this church and the prayers that um, were sown um, during my time here and even now. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm going to pass the mic actually to David now, um, who's going to share a little bit more about where, how, you know, God's been developing his heart for mission as well and um, leading him to now also go. So thank you. And yeah, I'll see you guys after. Hello, am I good here? It's a good spot. Is this the, is my, my best face is right here. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not. Um, so thank you uh, for that, Han. And I would really recommend that if you have the chance to speak to Han, she just exudes so much joy and passion in what she does. And I am so concerned, uh, not concerned, <laughs> encouraged by it. <laughs> We go back, all right? We're like kind of missionary partners in a way. So, <laughs> Cornerstone, thank you for letting me uh, speak um, and also to share my passion as well. And I hope this uh, encourage, encourages you as well. Um, I'm going to be sharing two stories, actually, a Bible verse and just sharing a little bit about my mission. So, a um, little backstory for myself. I came from um, New Jersey and started coming to um, transfer through Apple here, um, Boston, back in 2015, I think it was. So it's almost been seven years that I've been attending Cornerstone Church. And through, during, that one year, uh, during that time, one year, I spent my time in Japan in Yamagata. And I was there mostly to assist. OMF was the uh, mission organization that sent me there to um, do some English tutoring for the, uh, for the school and also for the church there. So that's pretty much how I evangelized, just doing English conversations, getting to know them. And there was also a women's junior college nearby. And I was there to help with some of, it's like an English club there. I wasn't teaching um, English there, but I was doing an English club there. And I got to know some of the students. And um, if you can show with the first slide. <clears throat> This is one of our um, events that we did. It was like a cooking class. Um, and we were trying, oh, okay, unfortunately. All right, so we were doing a cooking class and it was, uh, <laughs> I was teaching them how to make spaghetti and meat sauce. I mean, that's the American thing to do, right? Spaghetti and meat sauce is ironic. But 
that was a good fellowship time to get to know them. But there's this one girl in particular that did join. And a women's junior college is actually not a full college. It's kind of like after you've graduated high school and you're not still sure which university to go to, you go to this junior college to still have your basic education and then to take the next step forward into whatever school you want to go to or just finish there as well. But there was this one um, young lady that I met and she was the first year and I saw her at the hallway and we we're starting our class and she was very apprehensive and didn't want to come in but my friends who were also ministry um, uh, missionaries trying to invite her in and she wasn't sure if she should come in so I walked up to her and I say, why don't you just stop by? You can stay a few minutes if you like. And she just got shocked because I spoke English so well. Um, notice that I look Asian, so they thought I was Japanese. So, um, so she came in and she was really delighted because I found out that her English actually was pretty, she spoke pretty well. And I got to have a good conversation with her. So over the weeks, she started to continue coming. And I thought to myself, why not just have, you know, just some more like cafe, like have a coffee or just get to know each other kind of thing. So I invited her for a cafe. And we went out to a really nice cafe nearby. And I was waiting for her, but she was a few minutes late. And she came in, and she was hustling and bustling. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm late. And I was like, oh, no, it's fine. It's OK. And I said, is everything all right? And she says, I, I just have so much work to do. And I, and I was studying, and I was up late last night. And I said, OK, don't worry about it. You know, tell me more. How are things going? And then she just started crying. She just started to have tears swell up and she says, there's just so much pressure going on in my life. My mom is telling me that I should pick something and go for school. Um, I don't really have that many people that I can talk to. And it was just really strange. In Japanese context, it's not really normal to do this, but I remained present and I wanted to listen and see where God was leading me in this. So she kept on sharing and saying that all the pressures that, um, that she had from school and her life, and she continued to sob. And I couldn't help feeling it too myself. I felt the sorrow and the sadness. And I said, you know, I, I actually was in a similar position with you. I went to college for two years in NGIT, um, since I'm from New Jersey, for computer engineering, but I didn't have any passion to do that. And so I got suspended because I didn't do well in school, and that wrecked me. I was still involved with church, but I didn't feel like I had any, like, um, you know, vision in my life. So long story short, I, was, I felt alone, I felt defeated, and it took me finally 14 years to graduate college. And she was, <laughs> she was shocked too. I mean, yeah, that's my life, that's what happened to me. But through those times, through those difficulties, I felt that God was still with me, that God still loved me and had a plan for me. And I took this step forward and I told her, and I think, and actually I know, that God loves you right now that you're, he knows your struggles and he knows what you're going through, and I believe God loves you right now and is taking care of you. She still continues to uh, sob, and the food came out. <laughs> it's kind of awkward, like how it just breaks. We're eating omo rice, and I'm like, oh, it's nice, yeah. So afterwards, uh, when, she was when we were finished, you know, just talking a little bit about school and just like, you know, my American life, um, we were leaving, and I just told her, you know, you're doing great, you can do it. Just letting you know I'm also here if you want to talk anything else. And I felt this kind of, this, this hope, this uplifting like sense about her. You know, she was still in tears, but I did feel that that moment, that is what she needed to hear. That is, that is the moment that I, that I felt that it was worth 
sorry, not worth that. That was the reason why I had to be there in Japan to tell her that message that God loved her and still loves her now. Another story. Um, <clears throat> I am also an ESL teacher at High Rock Church. It's an outreach. I'll, I'll share more about how I you know, got to there. But um, that is like another outreach for me and a really it's a beautiful burden and also a love that I um, love doing as far as ministry here. And so there are a lot of Japanese mothers that I teach English to and help them understand the American culture and about life around here. And so uh, two, summer ago, two summers ago, um, because most of the families stay here from one to three years, they do have to go back to Japan because their husband's usually researching or studying or working here for a short time. So we had a going away party for uh, one of the families and two other um, families were invited. So we went to a picnic outside and I remember um, that I started to grow, uh, develop a relationship with, with this one family, and they're so close to knowing Christ. But anyway, the husband was telling me while we're all sitting down, he says, how do you know God tells you to do something? How do you, how do you know that he's telling you this is what you want to do and how you want to do things? See, that's a good question. Well, what is it, why are you asking? What is it that you're trying to find out? And he says, well, I'm trying to figure out if I should stay here in the US or go back to Japan or go to another country and continue my studies. So I said, okay, what do you usually do if you're trying to make that big decision? Well, I, I actually look up, I actually reach out to my um, mentors and also the people who have um, taught me in the, in the field. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, that actually makes sense. So I thought about it for a second and I said, yeah, that's probably mostly what we do too. We look for guidance for other people. But in the Christian mind, while we have such good um, people who have expertise, uh, we know that that person may not be there for the rest of our life. We know that they're eventually going to be moving on or doing something else and unfortunately passing away. But there is one person that will stay with you. We believe this as Christians, that Jesus does stay with us, knows us, and guides us in our next step. And I saw the wheels turning inside of his head. And he said, that's pretty a good answer. And so I left it with that. And the reason why I'm sharing these stories, because um, one, it's like such a big excitement and, 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 and an awesome privilege to be in those moments. But there is something about the over, overall view of how this mission is taking place, right? Yes, I was one place going to another country, but I was also here doing mission work. So I'm going to share this Bible verse that has been kind of a common theme for me when I started doing a mission. And if you have your, if you can follow along, I'm sorry we don't have this up here, but it's Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 36. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 36. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And this passage where it says compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, weighed on me so much. Chapter 8 and 9 shows that Jesus has been doing the action of healing. He's the initiator in going out to, to reach to the uh, people, and they're all crying out, save me, help me, and he answers. And I felt like this was most of my life. Prior, even while I was here in Boston before, I had this 
really big prayer. I, I wish I can go more, but I don't have time. But most of my life, I did feel like this, harassed and helpless, a sheep without a shepherd. And I cannot imagine, like, if God wasn't in my life, I don't think I would honestly be here today. In fact, I'll probably be probably be Buddhist. I don't know. It's just strange. <laughs> yeah, there's another story with that. But um, I feel that um, with that, with God being present and being in my life and guiding me, he knew my needs, and he came to me and rescued me from my depths. And the next por- portion, um, which is uh, the next verse, um, there was a response to this. Jesus is saying he sees the needs. He says it's he looked at them as if they are, uh, that they are uh, sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, he turned to them in verse 37, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I thought to myself, why can't you just do it, God? Aren't you God? You can, you can change everyone's hearts and lives, and, and I believe he does, definitely. But when Jesus is saying that he's praying, right, ask the Lord of the harvest, that means he's in charge of it all. He knows the needs, and he knows the concerns, and he knows every individual's heart. So nothing is beyond him. Therefore, whoops, therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is an invitation, a participation of sharing in his glory and sharing in the work that we're doing here. He's not a selfish God. He's not someone who just does anything for himself. He wants everyone to be a part of his missional work because he's a missional God. He went out to Abraham and sent him out to start um, a big, the big plan of a, of a blessed nation. And he sent Jesus pursuing us and still pursuing you. Whether you know it or not, God is still pursuing you and doing that missional mindset. And in the following chapter, in te- uh, chapter 10, what does he do? He says what, he's, what he says the disciples should do. He sends them out, goes out into, uh, as a pair into the cities to proclaim the word. So here is the next slide of missional mindset. This is what I want to encourage you to do and to think about. There's something here that speaks to you is to, one, be present. Be present to what God is speaking to you about, what the needs are, what, what seems to be what, for the past three weeks, we've heard so many great stories, but even in your lives, there are some things that you see that there is a need. It could be maybe a neighborhood that you haven't reached out to, maybe it's a friend, or maybe it's a region, anywhere else. Two is to be available. Now, it sounds like the same, being present, it's actually you're there, physically there, but being available to God and to seeing what he's saying to you and how is he stirring up what that desire is for you. And three is to be ready. At some point, we're all going to make a decision, right? You all made a decision to come here. You all made a decision to go to school. Um, likewise, in your worldview and your life, you're also going to make a decision to be ready and to act whatever God is calling you to do. So I also want to make a note that those who are still trying to figure out Christianity, for those of you who don't know Jesus personally yet, this still applies to you too. Number one, be present. You are present. You came here, and I'm so thankful you were able to hear this and hear the stories that's going on. And for those who are online, you're present too, right? 
Two is to be available because even though you may not believe or still have questions of whether God is real, something is still stirring in you. Something is still drawing you to come here. And three is to be ready, again, to make that decision and see how you can act on it and see how the church is going to be involved in helping those around you. So my ends of the earth is Japan. That is my, my calling. And God has... To this day, I can't believe how much she's just changed me. Um, actually, Cornerstone has really um, been a big part of my change. Um, when I first came to Boston, actually, I was an emotional and spiritual wreck. But there was a prayer here that transformed my life. And through uh, the staff and the pastors, and especially uh, Pastors Bill, guidance with gifts and calling, go join in that. So that's when I found out more of my own um, calling as well. Um, it wasn't actually solidified to Japan, but recently this has, and I remember my steps of how God has got, uh, guided me. So just quickly with OMF, um, I'm just going to share that our vision is that through God's grace, we aim to see an indigenous biblical church movement in each people group of East Asia, evangelizing their own people and reaching out in missions to others. So it's not so much of us going there to, uh, to serve, it's actually we're being with them, incarnational, and to share in um, God's love. And the second thing is their, the OMF mission. We share the good news of Jesus Christ in all its fullness with East Asia's people to the glory of God. And I know sometimes there's some apprehension, like, are we there to trying to change a culture? All culture? Yes. We're also trying to change our culture to make it be formed of what Christ should be in that way. So I have many more stories, and I have many more things that I would love to share. And if you have the time, I would love to share more about my journey. And I just pray um, that something has been stirring in you through this whole time. And please pray for me, because I have to hopefully be sent, well, I, I'm saying that, um, to be supported to go this summer. So if you can keep that in prayer, uh, I would appreciate that. And I'll be praying for a cornerstone, which I have been, for God to really do remarkable, amazing things here, and that the ends of the earth, earth that we're all trying to reach to is getting closer and closer together. Thank you. Actually, can I ask David and Han to come up so we can pray for them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so let's bow our heads in prayer, please. Um, and if you want, you can reach out your hands and pray with me. Um, God, thank you for just being able to hear um, the stories that Han and David have to share about, first, your faithfulness, um, but God, just how you, you work in our lives um, and you desire for us to then work into this world so that others can know your love and experience love uh, through our hands, through our words, uh, through our actions. Um, 
being able to be a witness of your faithfulness in their lives and just how you're unraveling the plans that they may have set and bringing them into greater plans then. Um, it's, it's been amazing to see and so encouraging to hear and, and be a witness of God. Um, so thank you for allowing them to share. And I pray that their stories um, can just... Uh, sit in our hearts and encourage um, everyone listening today, Father. Um, and Lord, uh, as they um, continue to minister to college students and the citizens of Japan, um, would you cont continue to be present in their lives, um, that the Spirit may be upon them um, and allow them to have... Um, the space to speak into their the people's lives, God, and share your love to them, Father, and just their receptiveness to the Holy Spirit. Um, and Lord, for, for our congregation and for everyone listening, um, these past three weeks, would, would we continue to wrestle within our hearts of the messages and stories that we have received um, and know that this is a calling for all every one of us, um, that we are all, as brothers, as uh, believers in Jesus Christ, have a calling to share your love um, and, and your grace um, into this world. Um, so yeah, let this just be the beginning, um, but will we continue to wrestle with this um, going forth? So I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.